All right, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. That's a great place to start when we think about the new year. Um, I've entitled this new series, First Things First, and uh, what better place to start than the beginning? Uh, I've said this already, but I, I am glad that you're here for our first service of 2022, but hear me as before we start and hear my heart before we start. Um, 2021 was, was a interesting year, right? We, we moved out of 2020 hoping uh, that things were going to be so much better in 2021, and a lot of you uh, experienced a very hard year. Uh, you had a hard, um, hard go. You walked some very dark and lonely roads. Uh, maybe you lost some people that you loved. Um, maybe it was just a very challenging and trying uh, year. Some of you, on the other hand, had a lot of um, freedom come about in 2021, maybe even some forgiveness uh, that you had been seeking for and needing desperately kind of was introduced into this last year. And um, it was on the, on the other hand, you'd say it was a great year. And so here's, here's what I'm saying. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the end of this month. We're going to celebrate 2021. We'll have our biannual meeting. Our January meeting is always a good celebration of what God has done in the previous year. Um, but before we do that, I just want you to know that uh, that no matter what you're coming into this new year with, okay, so no matter, no matter whether it's heavy or it's hopeful, know that you have a church family that's here with you, okay? Don't, don't, don't ever feel like you're alone in what you are experiencing or what you are feeling, that, that you have a family of folks who are here. This is what the church is for, uh, to walk with you and to weep with you and to celebrate with you and to laugh with you. You have a pastor who wants to be involved in all of those things. And just so just know that as we, as we turn the corner, sometimes we just, we just want to say, oh, forget about last year. Last year doesn't matter. It does matter because it shapes how we enter into this year. So just know that we are here in this together. We are, uh, we are a family together and that's how we operate and that's how we're going to continue to operate so just know that that sometimes even though the hard things can turn into hopeful things you know psalm says that joy will in some sometimes joy ends in sorrow um Sometimes the, the opposite of that is true as well. That sorrow may end in joy. So just know that, that however the end year ended for you, uh, whether you shot fireworks, uh, I felt like I told some guys this week uh, that I felt like our neighborhood was under attack. Uh, there were just so many. I never had fireworks on, on New Year's Eve as a kid. That just wasn't something that we did. Apparently, every kid in our neighborhood does that. And so uh, whether you shot fireworks and celebrated or maybe you were just at home and just kind of just very somber, just know that as we come into this new year, man, I am excited about what God's going to do and how he's going to shape us and mold us and form us. And so that's really going to kind of uh, push us into this, this series. Uh, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks in this idea of first things first. And I, talked, I was thinking about how can, we, how can we kind of talk about some of the firsts in Scripture. And as I began to look through them, there's a bunch. There's a lot of firsts. And then, you know, you can obviously go to Genesis and you think, well, yeah, there's a whole lot of firsts there. There was the first creation. There was the first human. There was the first animal. I, you know, we don't have that recorded. It just says that God created all the, the fish in the sea and the birds of the air. And he says on the next day he created all the land animals. I wonder which one was the first one, you know. Uh, and so he creates all the animals. There was the first one of those. There was the first worship experience in Scripture. There was the first promise, there was the first prophet, there was the first king, there was the first time God speaks, there was the first time, we just got to talk about the first time Jesus came, uh, we believe he's coming again, there was the first miracle of his, the first missionary that was sent, uh, there was the first resurrection that happened and Jesus came back to life and that doesn't even begin to touch, I believe, the darker side of firsts. 
There was the first sin. There was the first lie. There was the first murder. There was the first deception. There was the first cover-up. There was the first act of disobedience or defiance. And we even know when Peter denied him, there was the first of the three denials that Peter had. And then I went down a rabbit hole that I shouldn't have went down and I thought, well, maybe I'll just preach all year about 1 Kings, 1 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, 1 Timothy, 1 Corinthians, 1 John, 1 Peter. That's the whole, that's, uh, that's what I'm going to preach on all year. I'm not going to do that. But there's a lot of different firsts as we read through Scripture. And so I thought, what better way to start than at the very beginning? Uh, and I think the, the next four weeks will give us four firsts that we're going to kind of look at that, that I believe will kind of set the foundation for the rest of this year and, and what I believe God's going to call us to. And really for our theme for 2022, we'll get into that uh, after the biannual meeting. But just know that it's, it's going to seem real familiar to this. So if you've got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, this is a verse that you all know. You don't even have to read it off the screen. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that one statement has so much foundational theological truth in it. The very first words of scripture, we, we can't even begin to, to dissect all the, the incredible truths in this, but, but I want us to notice just the very first one. Uh, we're not going to get into the different views of creation. If you want, uh, if you want some really good reading material uh, to fall asleep in at night, I had to write a paper on the different views of creation through seminary, and it's just boring, okay? It just really is. I was writing it going, this is boring. But uh, there's different views on that. We're not going to get into all that. But what I think is so incredible about this is in the beginning... No matter your view of creation or how you see the framework or the time frame of all that, in the beginning was God, right? In the very beginning, before anything else, there was God. Operating outside of space and time as we know it, a God who has always been, a God who created all things. Not created himself, but whether it was before all of creation, he was first. And so in the series, we're talking about first things first. We have to talk about how God was first. The Hebrew word for Genesis, if you have a Hebrew Bible, is this word called breshit. And it, and it means in the beginning. It's the very first word of the Hebrew Bible, breshit, in the beginning. And if you go to a, the, the, the Greek version of the Old Testament, the lexicon, if you go to that, the Greek word for this is genesis, which obviously we've anglicized into genesis, right? And it means origin or beginning or source. And I, I love the definition of those words because when we think about uh, our first things, we have to remember the first thing is that God is first, before earth, before the universe, before the sun, the moon, and the stars, before day and night, before man and woman, before life and breath as we know it, God was first. And most of us would say, yeah, I mean, we know that, right? Because we've got this first memorized, we've memorized it in vacation Bible school, some of you in 1964, right? Because we know this verse and we're so familiar with it, but the magnitude of this verse is found when we read it after we've put something before God. 
when we realize that God is first, but we don't put him first. Brings a whole level of how dare we ever demote God from being first. We're going to get into this next week, I think, in in great detail, but the audacity of creation is to put anything before the creator. He is the beginning. He is the origin. He is the source of all things. And this very first simple verse, this first verse, should remind us that he is first in all things. This week, I began to think about the firsts that are going to come this year. Maybe not firsts literally, but firsts for the year, right? You're going to have your first argument of 2022 with your spouse. And some of you are going, been there, done that, right? Check the box. We've already passed that one, right? You're going to have the first opportunity in 2022 to have a teachable moment with your kids instead of just yelling at them and telling them to go to the room. You're going to have the first uh, chance to listen in 2022 and not just listen to respond that's what we're really good at you listen to argue but sometimes we just need to listen you're gonna have your first chance in 2022 to be vulnerable with someone someone that you love someone that you trust and to be honest and have some real meaningful intimate conversations with them instead of just hiding behind the mask of it's okay I'm fine We have some firsts that come every year. First time you say a bad word. The first time you lie to your boss. The first time that you have an opportunity to obey and choose not to. There are some firsts that we are encountered with. And I wonder how many of these things in our life would be different if we lived like God was first instead of the things that we put in his place. Listen, you're gonna have an opportunity this year for the first time in 2022 to prioritize some things and say these things are most important before you begin to compromise those things for either culture or popularity or ease or selfishness. You can, you can prioritize now. That's what the new year brings. It brings all these firsts that we have the opportunity to get right the first time. But a lot of us, myself included, we don't have to stand up. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember, I remember when I was a kid, we used to have popcorn testimonies. Y'all remember those? Where people just stand up and say something really random, and sometimes it was really good, and sometimes you were like, ooh, that person should sit down, right? But we have these little popcorn testimonies. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But we could stand up and go, I have to learn the hard way. And these are the areas of my life where, where I know the right thing to do, and I had the opportunity to do the right thing, but I'm... I'm an idiot, and so I do the wrong thing, the wrong thing, and the wrong thing, and the wrong thing, and the wrong thing, until finally, at the bottom of my, at the bottom of my rope, or at the bottom of my barrel, or whatever you want to say, and then finally, I do the right thing. We have an opportunity to start the year doing it right from the beginning. We keep reading, 
Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And this really is why I chose to preach this verse this morning. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The world was in chaos. Can you imagine no, no form, no structure, no semblance of, of, of anything together, no organization, just a chaotic ball of potential energy, mass, and matter. And it sounds a whole lot like this new year. <laughs> it seems like this is what we're faced against, this dark and empty and chaotic world that we're just kind of jumping into. No form yet, no structure yet, we're on day two. It started on a weekend, so nobody had any kind of structure over the weekend. A year full of potential, of creative what-ifs, of the possibility of every opportunity to make first what should be first. But if we're honest, a lot of us in this moment just feels like it's chaos. We don't know how to even wrap our minds around closing 2021 to even start 2022. And we're trying to keep our head above water and we're trying to recover from last year and plan for this year. And if we've learned anything in the past two years, we've learned cynical skepticism, right? That's the word I wrote down in my notes, cynical skepticism, because here's the conversations that we have. Well, we're going to plan like we're going to get to go on vacation, right? Well, we're going to hope for the best. If things don't get worse, then we'll be able to do or you had the, well, what do we do if conversations? What do we do? I've looked at the numbers, right? Omicron is coming. The numbers in Bradley County are 30 plus right now. COVID cases, positives. Some of you experienced this with even in the last couple of weeks. We've had some church folks uh, who've had it. What if it comes back? What if it's worse than it was? I talked to somebody this morning and said, the flu shot's not going to work. I'm like, does it ever? All right, we're just shooting in the dark with that one. Cynical skepticism. How do we even begin to push into 2022 wondering, what if? How can we? And if we stay in that headspace too long, I believe that we can really feel Genesis 1-2 very deeply. Formless, empty, and dark. But the end of verse 2 changes everything. Still on the screen, the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That last phrase, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Remember I told you there's a lot of theology packed in these verses. This is, this is one of the major, major, major points. This phrase, the Spirit of God, if you're reading this in Hebrew, it would be the Ruach Elohim. It's just a really cool word, Ruach. If you went through knowing faith, you know that's the Hebrew word for spirit, and this is, this is the word that God uses to describe himself in the very first chapter of the Bible, Elohim. It speaks to a very fancy $5 word. It's the only one I'm going to use today, I promise. And here it is on the screen. Monotheistic 
Trinitarianism. And you're going, seriously, Matt? <laughs> like, I can't even spell that word. I can't either. I misspelled it three times while I was typing it in, okay? Monotheistic Trinitarianism means this, that we worship one God, one God in three separate co-eternal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We all know that, right? We're kind of brought up in that. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's called monotheistic Trinitarianism. It's just a fancy word that's really fun to say, and you can impress people at work tomorrow. But here's what it says. God created, right? We understand that from the beginning. In the beginning, God created. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers and authorities, all things were created by him and for him. What's Colossians speaking of? Speaking of the Son. John 1, 3 says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. John 1, 3 is speaking of the Son. So in the very first two sentences of Scripture, we have that the Father created through the Son... And the Spirit hovered. That two sentences of Scripture gives us Trinitarianism in its best. Father created through the Son while the Spirit hovered. All three are present in the first two sentences of Scripture. And at first glance, church, really? At first glance, it seems like the Spirit's role is pretty indifferent. The Spirit of God is hovering over the water like he could just care less. Think about all this, I mean, we just call it chaos, all this kind of roaring waters, this bundle of energy and this darkness and emptiness, and he's just outside of it, hovering over it, ambivalent, watching. It kind of seems like he's unengaged and uncaring and uninvolved until you know the word and the meaning of the word hover. See, the word's only used three times in Scripture. It's here, and it's in Deuteronomy, and then it's in Jeremiah. And in Deuteronomy, the very next time this word is used, hovering, it's talking about a mother eagle. It's Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest or hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. The Hebrew word here is rechaf, and you kind of got to scratch the back of your throat when you say that. It means to hover, to grow soft, or to relax. And the picture that Deuteronomy pictures is this mother eagle that is controlling chaos. She's, she's hovering over the nest. She's encouraging her young to fly. She's protecting them. She's providing for them. Her role is a blessing and a provision and a protection. And so this, this picture of control over chaos is exactly what the Spirit of God is doing when he hovers over the waters. He's not engaged. The Spirit is in control. 
He's not uninvolved. He's protecting. He's providing. And listen, the, the end of 2021 may have been so chaotic for you. It may have been the worst of the worst for you. And if we're honest, 2022 may not look that much better. But hear this first. First, before anything else, God created and the Spirit controlled. God created and the Spirit controlled. So when things feel out of control to you, they are very much in control of God's. When they say things scary and, and unorganized to you, they're not that way to Him. And when things feel like you're, you're overwhelmed or you feel like things are too much or, or, or it's, it's, it's kind of uncertain, listen, there's, there's not a God in heaven that is uncaring or unengaged. He is very much in control. He's hovering over the things that overwhelm you. And I read this and I go, that's us. We are in chaos. We are empty and dark and formless and void. And the Spirit of God is protecting and controlling and providing and encouraging us. First things first in Scripture is that God created and the spirit controlled now look and we're going to close with this i got five points if you're taking notes this will be real easy five things that happen when god first speaks verse three and god said let there be light and there was light god saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness he called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day I love the first day. It's really, that was our first. If you're kind of trying to figure out what first we're talking about, the first day is what I'm talking about today. Five things. We're going to move through these pretty quickly, so hang with me. Number one, he brings order out of chaos. When God first speaks, he brings order out of chaos. What was originally formless, empty, and dark became controlled, intentional, and obedient. Can we please just learn this lesson from creation this year? Can we live a year that's controlled and intentional and obedient? When our lives feel like verse 1, and we know the Spirit's hovering like verse 2, can we trust like creation in verse 3? He brings order out of chaos when he first speaks. Number two, when God first speaks, what he speaks happens. Do you notice that creation didn't argue with God? It's not like he said, let there be light. And light said, listen, God, I, I got a lot going on. I've been real busy. I know you're creator and you're speaking things and everything, but could you just have somebody else do that, please? What he speaks happens. And my prayer for us and for my church and for my family and for myself personally is that when God speaks, I am immediately obedient this year. That no matter what he's calling me to, I say yes. That our immediate obedience, because when God speaks, creation responds. No hesitation, no excuse for disobedience. That creation obeys first. Can you imagine if God said serve and we served first? If God said give and we gave first? 
If God said teach and we taught. If God said forgive and we forgave. If God said love and we loved. If God said sacrifice then we offered our bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God which is our spiritual act of worship. We just did it. How different would life look three months from now is when God first speaks we first obeyed. John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. Psalm 119, 160 says, the sum of your word is truth. Revelation 21, 5, God thunders from heaven. I am making all things new. Right, for these words are faithful and true. When God speaks, it's truth. And we are supposed to respond in truth. When God first speaks, number three, what he speaks is good. I love love that God affirms himself through scripture. He creates and he says, that's good. And it was morning, it it was evening, it was morning the first day. Listen, God will never call you to something that he won't provide for you in. I'm gonna say that again so you can write it down. God will never call you to something that he will not provide for you in. He won't. Because what he says is good. It's good. Our heads and our hearts play this worst case scenario game, right? We play the what if, what if I obeyed? What if I jumped into this chaotic thing that God's calling me into and I'm over my head and I fail or I mess it up or I can't? What if? What if we do all those things? That's fear speaking. Mainly that's the enemy speaking, trying to keep you from not doing what God's called you to. And and I say this, and I've said this before, I don't think we go far enough in that. We play the what if game. If you're going to play that game, go all the way. What if I jump in and I'm over my head? Well, God's still in control. What if I go and I, I mess something up? Well, if I do that and I mess it up, God's still bigger than me and he can correct even though my obedience missed the mark. If we're going to play the what if game, play it all the way out. But we stop when we convince ourselves that we don't have to anymore. When God first speaks, he speaks good things. And when fear is speaking, we have to remember that the spirit is hovering. He's controlling the chaos. And we have nothing to fear. Number four, when God speaks first, he separates. We see it here with light and darkness. We'll see it later with the atmosphere and then the separation of sea and land. But but this light and darkness, this is a big one. And sometimes I wish we learned this lesson first. There are some things in our lives, church, that we need to separate from. Because God is speaking And we can no longer live the way we're living. There are some sin patterns that you need to separate from. There are some things that you can need to go back to over and over and over and over and over again. And you need to separate from them. There are some habits. They're not even just patterns anymore. That's just kind of what you do. There are habits that you need to separate from. There are some people that you need to to separate from. I'm not talking husbands and wives right now. I'm talking about people that drag you into things that you know you should not be involved in, who encourage behavior that you know you should not be doing. 
and who are bringing you to a spot spiritually and physically and relationally that you know you should not be in. God speaks, sometimes he speaks separation into those. Doesn't mean that you separate from those people because you're better than or that you're more holy. It just means that you're separating to get to obedience to what God's calling you to. It separates light from darkness. And see, we all, we, we quote verses like 2 Corinthians chapter 6 when it says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? But we, we forget about Luke chapter 12 when God says, whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light. We go, oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna, what's, what fellowship does light have with darkness? I'm so much better and more holy. But then the Bible also says that everything that you say in the dark is gonna be brought out in the light. This goes beyond tangible, visible, public things. This goes into the hearts of us. And there are some things that need to separate. Some of those back pocket sins that we hang on to, some of those things that we think nobody else knows about, it's okay, it's not a big deal. And God continues, and the Spirit of God continues to eat your lunch about it because you know it's sin and you know it's wrong and you know that you've been hiding it. It's time for some separation. God separates truth from a lie, separates honest from dishonest, intentions from action, genuine from disingenuous. He separates real, honest faith from playing a game and checking boxes and faking it through. God separates. When we're living this him first model, then we are willing to separate from things that distract us. Lastly, number five. When God first speaks, he determines what things are. I like this one. It's incredible that only the creator gets to define creation. He who is first gets to dictate what is next. Verse 5 says that he called the light day and the darkness night. Why did he get to call it that? Because he made it. He's the one who, who, who gets to call whatever he makes, whatever it is. So where do we get off calling ourselves less than what God has already called us? God has called you chosen and loved and children of God. He has called you holy and royal and forgiven. He has called you his treasured possession. He's called you enough and he has called you his own. And we have to remember this year because it's going to happen this year when the enemy whispers in our ears that we are unworthy, that we are unforgivable, and that we are unlovable, that he didn't create us and he doesn't get to call us those things. That only the creator gets to define creation. And he's defined you as enough. I'm going to end with this and we're, we're done. On the list of firsts, um, I, I, we talk about the first act of God in creation, the first words of God uh, through his in definition of who we are. We have to talk about the first day in its, in its entirety. Genesis 5, or 1 verse 5 uh, second half of that says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. First day. And if you look at all the days of creation, and when you think about the first day, it doesn't seem like a whole lot. 
Think back over what you remember. Day two was the atmosphere, the water above and the water below, right? He's essentially creating uh, the ecosystem that we need to survive on the planet. Day uh, three was dry land and seas. He separates the, the land from the oceans. And he also creates every tree and plant and fruit that there is. That's a lot, That's a lot of different creation on day three. Day four was the sun, moon, and stars. Basically, our entire celestial universe is created on day four. Day five was a different species of birds and fish, things that we still have not even discovered now, 2,200 years after Jesus, about 6,000 years after God spoke it into creation. We still haven't found them all. He created them all on day five. And then day six was all the land animals. Every land animal that that crawls around or walks around, and he created man on day six. That's a lot of stuff. You read through that, and you go, day one, in comparison, it was just just light. They separated the light and darkness, but that was it. I wrote this sermon. I struggled on really how to properly say this, and so I'm going to say a statement here that I'm sure someone else smarter than me has said before, but it's so true. Comparison is the enemy of contentment. The enemy of contentment is comparison. And this year, 2022, you've Hope that you're going to commit to live with this him first mentality. You're making decisions, prioritizing off God first. You've done all the things that you're supposed to be doing. And there's going to come a time when you feel like God's doing more in someone else's life than he is in yours. There's going to come a time where you feel like maybe more is happening for someone else than is happening for you. And you may even be frustrated by your perceived lack of God activity in your life versus what you perceive as God activity in someone else's life. And when that happens, I want you to remember the first day. The first act of God, the first words of his, Because if all he does in your life this year is speak light into darkness, is that not enough? If all he does to remind you that he has defined you, isn't that enough? If all he does is tell the darkness you can only come this far, you cannot come any further, is that not enough? all he does is control the chaos and protect you and provide for you and encourage you and get you out of the nest and let you fly and trust him and obey. Isn't that enough? Don't compare what God's doing in someone else's life. Focus on what he's doing in your life and whatever it is, it's enough. It was enough for day one to be complete and perfect and whole, then it's enough for you to be complete and perfect and whole. Would you stand with me as TJ comes?
We're going to have an invitation. This is your opportunity just to respond to God and say, you know what, maybe I need to start putting some things first that's supposed to be first. Maybe, maybe I've got an opportunity here, God. I just need you to speak truth to me. Maybe you need to separate from some things. Maybe you just need to be obedient in some things. Whatever, whatever God's speaking to you now is what you have to deal with now. So I'm going to pray, and I'm here. You can come pray. You can come talk to me. You can come pray at the altar if you want to. This is your opportunity to respond to God. Don't miss this opportunity. First things first this year. Get it straight. And don't miss the opportunity. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for today. And we thank you for day one, the first day. And how in that first day, you controlled the chaos. How in the first day, you spoke graciously. And how in the first day, everything you did was good. And so, Father, today, as we stand on the precipice of this new year and the new opportunities and the new challenges, God, we give you, we give you it all the first day. God, I believe there are people here who are struggling to separate some areas and some people, some things out of their life. God, I believe there are some people here who just need to get refocused on putting you first. Be reminded that you are first. So God, whatever it is, Whatever you're calling us to, Father, I pray that we are obedient first. That in this opportunity, in this moment, that we don't push it down and we don't grit our teeth and we don't white knuckle, that God, we are obedient first. God, some of us need to hear that we're just loved and that we're chosen and that we're enough. Because we've been listening to the wrong person trying to define us. Father, whatever it is, someone here has questions about a God who could create and love us in a way that we can't imagine when we are so unworthy. God, I pray they'd ask those questions. Somebody here needs to ask questions about the church and what we do and why they should join. God, I pray they would ask those questions. Father, today if somebody says, I need to know about a God who loves me enough to create and make me enough, then God, I pray they would ask those questions. Let's not miss our first opportunity to put first things first. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.